Hey, welcome folks to the Onto Waveland podcast. This is the Cubs Athletic Podcast. I am Brett Taylor. That is Sahadev Sharma. That is Patrick Mooney. And that over there is not Joe Madden because he has been officially uh, parted ways from the Cubs. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into in a little bit. We're actually going to get into some of the um, uh, phraseology about how it's being put, this separation. But obviously, uh, the regular season is at a close. The Chicago Cubs finished in the uh, 16th draft spot. That should tell you about where things stand, that that is the first thing that comes to mind for me in terms of summing up where the Cubs finished. They did not make the playoffs for the first time in the Joe Madden era. And I think that uh, for as much as everyone in the baseballing universe expected yesterday to play out as it did with the Cubs and Joe Madden separating, it still is sort of a it's a pretty official like moment of demarcation where we can um, finally do the thing that we've been sort of talking around for uh, nigh on to two months now that like when the season ends, it's going to be like, OK, what's going to happen with Madden transition after that? What's going to happen in the offseason transition after that? And we'll get to that second part uh, probably on Thursday. But uh, today, obviously, the big change is that uh, it's the end of an era. Joe Madden came at a time when the Cubs, in their rebuilding process, were ready to turn the corner. They immediately did so upon his arrival. They won the World Series halfway through his tenure. And it did feel like, although Madden had been deeply successful as the Cubs manager, it just kind of felt like a natural, organic time for a transition and a change. His contract was expiring. And uh, the Cubs decided uh, as far back as last year at this time that probably they weren't going to extend that relationship. And now that has come to pass. And here we are. You guys uh, were there for the finale of the Joe Madden era. And so I want to pass it off to you guys to kind of give give a, a state of things, how it was, how it felt, how people were talking about it and how you guys even maybe personally receive this information because you have, in a way, worked very closely with Joe Madden now for, for several years. Well, I mean, first of all, I'd say that it, I don't think the Cubs are where they are without Joe Madden. I mean, he deserves a ton of credit for 2015. Uh, that that team was not ready by by most measures, and, and he made sure that they were. He made sure that they believed. He, he helped them uh, get that confidence that doesn't matter how young we are, how inexperienced we are, we can compete with anyone. And uh, I, I loved how he pointed out, he, he brought this up uh, yesterday, and, and I think it's it's true and it's important. Uh, the Cardinals were beating up on them early on that season, and he made sure that, that that wasn't going to be an issue going forward. He made sure that team was not going to be, you know, uh, rolled over. Uh, by better competition or equal competition and by the end of the season they were beating up on the Cardinals and and I think that is a big statement that's a big thing that happened uh, that can go overlooked after all these years but but Joe Madden was the right guy at the right time you know I, what stood out to me the past couple of days is I kept hearing the players talk about how Joe Madden doesn't has never changed. He's the same guy. He's the same guy. And then Theo's focus was sometimes you need change. Sometimes you need a jolt to the system. I mean, it's pretty clear where this you know where this difference was. Whatever was going on 
uh, whatever Theo's looking for, he's just looking for something different, and that may that may not end up in a good place. Maybe it'll be the wrong decision. We we still don't know, but it it seemed so clear to me when I kept hearing. Theo talk about change and then we interviewed every player afterwards and every player to a man said Joe doesn't change shows the same and they weren't ripping him that's just who Joe is and it and it's also you got to give Joe credit for tweaking some things this season he did take some advice but I think in the end <clears throat> excuse me in the end I'm turning like Joe Madden he was coughing that entire uh the entire press conference but uh you're you're choked <laughs> up buddy it's emotional I understand it's okay uh, but he you know he did make some tweaks, but I think Theo kind of wanted him to be a guy that he's just not. And you can't – Joe's not going to be that guy that, you know, is not panicking, but, you know, sounding the alarm bells or saying, hey, we got to get going. You know, we're, we're three games back. This is unacceptable type stuff. Or saying anything like that to the media will never happen. And I don't think Joe should have changed in that way, but perhaps this team does need that. And maybe it doesn't need to come from the manager. Maybe someone else needs to step up in a clubhouse. I don't know. But I do know that they are missing something. Or at least I do know that Theo believes that. It's pretty clear when the way he's talking about it that that he believes something, some element is missing from this team. Uh, and it, it, it sure, there, were, there was a talent deficiency and a depth deficiency. But there's also something more nuanced and more uh, to, you know, you can't put your finger on per se. It's, a, it's a, this... Uh, ethereal concept that doesn't that you know some would deny exists but uh, i think they believe it's a major part of what's going on uh, as far as this team being on a downswing now for a couple years i mean sunday's scene was just kind of uh unbelievable starting with i'm sure people have seen uh we were kind of corralled or you know redirected towards the dugout um and madden was supposed to come out and all of a sudden the cameraman uh collapsed uh in the dugout uh fortunately Derek gould uh, a great writer and reporter for the st louis post dispatch was there and knew cpr he began that the cubs trainers rushed out uh emergency medical personnel came out personnel came out uh and ultimately he was carted off the field uh and was said to be uh, in stable condition after suffering a heart attack and a stroke. And it was just this, I think reporters were already kind of bracing for, you know, big news and having to do their job and kind of under, you know, some degree of uh, pressure. And then just seeing then, you know, you know, we saw someone, you know, kind of walk away crying. People were just covering their mouths, uh, just staring off into the distance um, in silence. Um, so it was just this, surreal kind of unbelievable heartbreaking um scene that kind of you know put some things in perspective and then we uh marched over to this waiting room where the people who throw out the first pitch at bush stadium kind of hang out so there's like a i don't know like a refrigerator a little bar all these little like lunch tables and then you know joe and theo march in and stand shoulder to shoulder in front of a a Bush Stadium mural with the uh, Gateway Arch kind of like framing them, and um, you know Theo, you know it was just like very Cubs of them putting on this united front, standing shoulder to shoulder, uh, denying that there's any sort of you know tension or as Joe called it, you know philosophical differences, <laughs> crap, and you know I think there were elements of truth that they were saying it was a great partnership. 
Uh, Joe is a Hall of Fame manager. You know, these last five years have been a great run for the Cubs, but man, I don't know exactly what I wanted them to say, but there was just so much of it that you were just like, well, why don't you just hire Joe back then if he's so great? Like, it was just this just elaborately staged <laughs> thing and um, this kind of, oh, we came to a mutual decision after, you know, Theo unilaterally decided last year not to give a contract to even discuss a contract extension with Joe who then opens a restaurant in the Wrigley field uh, office building and (laughs) continually says that he wants to come back and how much he loves Chicago. And, you know, I mean, Joe's always been as real as he can with us. Uh, I know Theo really tries to be um, honest with the media. I realize it's a difficult, awkward situation, but um, you just kind of left there, you know, shaking your head and kind of wondering how it uh, got to this point. And if the Cubs are making this great shock to the system that Theo's talking about, or if they're just kind of making a change for change sake, and we'll wind up seeing a lot of the same players back there next year, because their payroll's kind of close to maxed out for at least for baseball operations. And, you know, a lot of these guys didn't have great years, so their trade value is not going to be good. And well, the guys who did have good years, why would you trade them? You're not going to find guys like that. So uh, let the off season begin. <laughs> well, they're going to save five million. Yeah, there letting, you go. Uh, yeah. Joe Madden walk. So you know that that uh, that should loosen the strings. No, I mean I think that you guys both. I'm going to see if I can <clears throat> synthesize this a bit from a fan perspective. That that you guys both hit on two ways of talking about the same conversation, which is that uh, on the one hand, I, I have long viewed the the need, if you could even go so far as to call it a need, but the need to move on from Joe Madden through this lens of, okay, he's very, very good. He has been very, very successful. There haven't been a lot of significant roster changes. The talent is still there. The talent is maybe even at an individual level stepping forward. I mean, we've talked about this all year that there have been some guys that's like, wait, look at all these guys are having, you know, improvements at a performance level. And this is a team that, you know, finishes with 11 fewer wins than last year. There, you know, there is, I know what one of the anthems of the offseason is going to be. And and we seized upon it months ago when Jed Hoyer first said it, which was that for some reason, the whole of this team and this roster is less than the sum of the individual parts. And although that's that, you know, finding that coalescence between those two things is not wholly the duty of the manager, you do reach a situation, like Sahadev said, where if you don't know exactly what the issue is, um, you maybe have to make some tweaks to kind of see like, okay, we don't know exactly underneath at a nuanced level what is causing this issue, but there are certain things we can change, certain things that are wholly within our ability to change, particularly when a contract is expiring, and we can kind of see if maybe that makes a, a, a difference. And so on the one hand, you could absolutely describe that as making change for change sake, um, but not necessarily in a pejorative sense. Like we use that that phrasing t- as a criticism, but like sometimes you do have to make change for change sake because that's all that's within your control in certain situations. And on the other hand, as Mooney is saying, you don't want to be in a situation where it's like we're so trapped by the walls that we've built for ourselves in other ways. And I'm speaking not just of the front office, but the organization as a whole, the history, the fact that winning in 2016 was always going to create these 
artificial roadblocks to success thereafter. You don't want to be in a situation where you have constructed this this artificial enclosure for yourself that it doesn't matter what change for change sake you make, you're not going to be able to get out of it until you just tear the whole thing down again. And so I do feel like it is, I think it's an interesting conversation to have um, circling back now to something that uh, Mooney wrote in his um, kind of sum up of this situation. I think it's, I actually think it's not just a semantic conversation to talk about whether Joe Madden was fired or whether he was uh, released into free agency. I think it does kind of speak to how the Cubs are going to try to frame moving past this era. Um, I don't know that it's for me personally, it's not a hill that I'm going to, you know, uh, muster a huge fight on either side. It's obvious that Joe Madden at some point in the past wanted to stick around. Uh, he was pretty clear about that. And the Cubs shut down uh, extension talks last year. So, I mean, you really could frame this any way you want. But the the point is that the the way we try to move on from this era of Joe Madden without it being like he was fired is going to be important to fans because we're going to want to, uh, as John Lester said, we're going to want to revere Joe Madden as a legend forever. And so maybe some of this is sort of a skillfully crafted bit of performance theater so that that uh, legacy stands and this front office doesn't have to wear the mantle of, of deciding to fire Joe Madden. Does, does that all kind of make sense? It's sort of a having it both ways, but also in a way that could matter going forward as we try to turn the page. Well, yeah, Brett, you and I were talking about this kind of before we started recording. And as soon as I said that out, all these people were blowing up me on Twitter and be like, <laughs> wrong, fake news. He wasn't fired. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like, um, can we look at this like grownups here? I mean, if you want, no. if you just want to no, like, the answer to that, the answer to that yes. is no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Qu- quit recording. But uh, I don't know. I mean, if you just want to, you know, uh, take everything they say at face value in this kind of manufactured uh, environment on the last day of the season and completely ignore everything that happened across the last five years or kind of how things work in professional sports or how much Joe wanted to come back. Like, this isn't like, you know, Theo kind of opening the cage and saying, be free, Joe. We want you to you know, fly wherever you want. Like, this guy wanted to be in Chicago. He has a restaurant next to the stadium. Like, so, <clears throat> I don't know. I think I think it shortchanges Joe to make it seem like he kind of wanted um, to kind of explore other opportunities or... I mean, he definitely got the hint, you know, by the end when he was saying, you know, he wants to be, you know, uh, where he's wanted. Uh, he has a lot of pride. He did um, a great job. And, you know, Theo's with, certainly within his rights when a contract is up and say, no, we're not doing um, anything more. And I do think they genuinely um, – like each other. I think a lot of the friction and tension just dealt with what Sahadev was talking about, these kind of stylistic differences of kind of Joe's kind of patience uh, throughout the 162-game season and Theo's just, you know, edginess of, like, what's going on here? You know, let's um, get in someone's face or whatever. And um, there's obviously a lot more to it than that. 
Um, you know, I believe Theo when he says, I'll consider Joe a, a lifelong friend and there, you know, there'll be a bidding war for him and there should be. Um, but I mean, let's get real, you know, like why, I mean, why do you, you follow the Cubs if you're just going to kind of take whatever they say, um, at face value. And Joe Madden has always been tried to, you know, uh, talk to the fans with a level of insight and tried to explain what he's thinking. You know, he very rarely got defensive. And I just think as a tribute to Joe, you should kind of, you know, call it what it is, kind of with the spirit of what happened, uh, the context of what happened. Um, you know, I started, I pointed out the contract was expiring. I didn't hammer the point that he was fired, but I, I think you just kind of call it what it is. Well, I find it interesting that it, sometimes we're so willing to – to just take what they say at face value and not debate it or fans, media, whoever it may be, just take that. When when Joe specifically said during this press conference, someone he was asked, you know, how come you were so positive and, and acted like, you know, we didn't really know the future when you kind of knew the writing was on the wall. And, and he said, well, quite frankly, what am I supposed to say? Like he he admitted that, yeah, he's going to at times you kind of need to massage things. You kind you're not flat out lying, but you're going to present, you know, as more optimistic than you really are or or spin it in a certain way. That's their jobs, too. They can't they they, I, I wouldn't say that they flat out lie to the media or the public. They're they're trying to present a united front. They're trying to present things in in a certain way to to kind of shape the message and, and that's always that's just what it is that's why it's our job as media to to listen to what they have to say you know take as much of it as we can in but also try and filter out the bs i mean it's ha- it's it's it is our jobs to do that they they're going to tell us certain things and we need to figure out what we want to believe and what we don't and then use our other sources and use our other sources of information to try and to try and figure out is this as is this exactly how they're saying it? Ninety nine percent of the times, it's rarely exactly as it. There's kernels of truth, and and you know I'm not like like Mooney said, it's not like Joe and Theo are at each other's throats, but but this is you know there's there are just little bits that they're trying to you know let out and other stuff that eh, you know why would they share that with us as blatantly as we kind of know what it is you know. And so much of this too is is going to be sculpted in our memories. I mean, ultimately, what what are we talking about here, right? We're talking about the experience of sports, and and it's like, yes, we want to know as much of the um, factual reality as we possibly can, but so much of what becomes reality is sculpted and shaped by our memories, by what happens thereafter by the um, way the stories are told by guys like you, by guys like me. And so much of that, and I, I believe this, I really believe this, so much of what this story is going to be about what happened at the end of the Joe Madden era, right down to whether we call it a firing or not, is going to depend on what Madden does next and what the Cubs do next. And uh, to that end, uh, that was a man. That was just a killer transition. I just I got to pause and appreciate that. Didn't I nail that? Like I, I just I summed up real quick what you guys were doing, and then I I moved us to where we wanted to go, but in a really organic way. Ooh, 
just man and you're re- you're really nailing it yeah nobody's nobody's firing me after way. this man I, just, <laughs> I, I still got it i still got it so no but seriously um i do think a lot of the way that we talk about this two three four years from now um is going to depend on you know if joe madden ends up somewhere else uh, he did indicate that he very much is, is ready to go for the next gig and i think there are going to be teams uh very interested i think uh, by the tech, by the time this publishes, it is based on reports. It is entirely possible that Brad Osmus will be let go by the Angels, not unlike Ricky Renteria was by the Cubs after just one year because Joe Madden became available. Dot dot dot. I don't think it's hard to connect those dots. Um, we'll see what happens on the Madden side of things, but you know, if the Cubs end up making the right managerial hire, and if that change does spark kind of a resurgence of energy and results either keeping pace with or starting to outpace talent. Uh, I think we'll look back at this and say, okay, yeah, this was really the best, the best thing for everybody. And so, um, and if not, of course, then it will be this um, excruciating decades long, um, you know, punishment of the Cubs for fire, firing <laughs> the legendary Joe Madden, who went on to win three more world series with the angels. Um, finally bringing Mike Trout to the promised land. Uh, would that be a, Story. We'll see who's with that there. So uh, on the okay, right. So what we're going to get uh, later today is Monday. Uh, Theo Epstein's going to speak with the media, do his end of season briefing, and almost assuredly we'll get into the next manager uh, situation. Not on a name by name basis, but kind of the the um, outer contours of what the Cubs are going to be doing and looking for, and. I don't know. Do we want to get into like specific names right now? I mean, cause I think everybody knows the names that are out there in terms, in terms of like what people are talking about, you know, David Ross, Mark Loretta. Sure. I mean, we can, we can get into that. Or do we think that it does, does the public know? I think this is a more interesting conversation to have. Does the public know who some of the big candidates are going to be for the Cubs or is it just that like we know the names that we know because they are so obvious, but like this is going to be a more traditional uh, hiring search process where there are going to be these like, you know, other bench coaches and assistant coaches out there, minor league managers that that, that are off the radar kind of that um, surprisingly come in for an interview. It's been a while since we've had like a real real managerial search process with the Cubs, obviously, because Joe Madden was hired strictly because he was Joe Madden. And so it's it's been six years. Yeah, I I would assume that they're at least going to have some sort of process. I you know, it, it does feel like Ross is the heavy favorite. Players were talking about directly asked about him and and you know they, they all these guys know him. Uh, and they all had comments about it, and none of them were like, "No, no, that's not going to happen," or even dismissed it in any way. They 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 basically said, "You know, we don't know what's going to happen, but uh, you know, this is what I think about Ross." Blah blah blah. That would be, you know, how would that work? This is how it would work. All those different things. Lester seemed, uh, you know, sometimes someone could say like, "How is that dynamic going to work?" I I don't think it would be that difficult to be honest. Like Ross was, you know, Ross could be the the hard ass in the room if needed 
to be. I mean, Madden would always talk about that, how when a guy screwed up on the field, they'd almost try and avoid Ross coming back into the dugout because they knew they were going to get an earful. I, you know, I don't know if that's what if that's going to change anything. If if Ross is hired and and he's the guy, you know, barking at guys when they screw up or they're loafing or they're making men, uh, you know, physical or mental mistakes and when they shouldn't be, you know, they should be focused. Whatever it is, uh, you know, I, we talk about all these making these changes it, when you can't really pinpoint what it is. It's it's kind of a it's a dangerous situation, right? Because you may be moving the wrong pieces, you may be removing, changing the wrong things, and that problem just remains, and you cannot figure it out. Uh, so we have to figure out. We, we have to decide how how much do we trust Theo Epstein to really have the pulse of this team and really know uh, what the issues are. Who is he talking to within the team? Obviously, a lot of players. Are these players really accurately? Can conveying the issues to Theo or are they kind of seeing, you know, their own, you know, we all see it in, in different ways. So are they seeing things that just really, you know, you know, aren't there as much or that's just what they feel and it's impacting them, but it's not the 24 other guys aren't having the same issues. These are all the things that I wonder, like how, how does how does David Ross fix these issues? What, what, whatever they may be. And if it's not David Ross, what, what does that person bring? When, when I asked like, what, what could a manager bring that Joe didn't, you know, I wasn't expecting the players to be like, well, this, this, and this, but, but I also didn't like, they, there wasn't much of an answer. Although I will say that when I asked Anthony Rizzo, Rizzo was asked multiple times, different ways, you know, that, that question. And he always went back to, Joe is great. Joe is this. Joe is consistent. He had a consistent message. He never said anything about we're missing this or we're not missing anything. He just went back to praising Joe. I don't know if that was just Anthony not fully uh, uh, taking in the question or if it was if it was his way of deflecting of I'm not ripping uh, Joe in any way. and You're not going to get me to say anything that was missing. There's no chance you're going to get me to say that. But uh, which I completely respect and understand. But there's I do think that there are some players in that clubhouse that do think that there was something that that believe that there's there was some element missing and that it it could start with Joe and and that uh, not that Joe was bad, but that like the whole, you know, the whole premise of that that press conference that maybe change can be good. Uh, I just it's going it's so I, I said this. I feel like I say this every off season. But every decision is going to be so insanely critical. Every like the from the manager, this every single moment. This is such a big deal because it's the manager, and then it's all the front. We're, we're going to talk about this later, but it's all the front office changes. It's all the players. Who do they keep? Who do they trade? Uh, who do they sign? How much money do they have? How much? How aggressive is Ricketts going to let them be? This is this this basically is this going to be the 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 2006 to 2007 Red Sox, or is this going to be, you know, just a, a complete failure uh, where where the Cubs go back to, oh man, back to the drawing board type thing where a year from now we're talking about, wow, that, that managerial hire was a mess and this team is taken, you know, multiple steps backward and how do you fix this situation? Uh, I can really see it going in any other, in any direction. Uh, and I, I I don't know. I think that says a lot about the confidence we have uh, the, 
in in them pulling this off uh, a couple years ago i don't think you would have been you would have lacked the confidence that theo and company could pull off uh fixing whatever may ail this group at this point i'd be shocked if it's not david ross i mean you need you need a, a lot of authority a lot of presence a lot of charisma to take this job you know period but to follow joe madden I don't see how Theo could hire like some like hotshot bench coach or like first base coach from like the Astros and like <laughs> actually go up there for a press conference in Wrigley Field and say, this is our guy. This is the solution. Um, I think they know they have these kind of two years here uh, with more or less this group of players. Obviously, it'll be fluid and they're going to be making changes. But in terms of someone who can step in day one, work closely with Theo, know what buttons to push with Rizzo, um, have a feel for the market. Um, I don't know. I just don't see how it's not going to be Ross. Like, I'm sure they, they'd like to interview other people and try and, like, um, pump them for as much information as they can if they work for another progressive organization <laughs> and maybe they get a contact for a position down the line or maybe there's uh, going to be some openings on David Ross's coaching staff and certainly maybe I am uh, exaggerating this a, a little bit but um, you know David Ross certainly sounded uh, like a uh, ec- you know, ready for the call when he was on baseball tonight last night. He's uh, his responsibilities did increase uh, this year, and you know they've seen what you know what I mean. Kevin Cash replaced Madden uh, in Tampa, and he's a manager of the year type. Uh, they looked at what Alex Cora did his first year in Boston. Uh, how Aaron Boone. Uh, stepped into New York and what might be a you know even tougher job than Chicago and has flourished. So that's the prototype. Ross fits it. He already works for the team. Uh, unless there's something we don't know that if you know if Ross does have family considerations that has prevented him from kind of taking that Madden bench coach job, um, or if Theo has some like you know totally off the grid candidate that we don't know about okay but otherwise um i think it's david ross certainly the story is the easiest to tell if it's david ross uh, both for all the reasons that you said and also tying back to this uh, trying to at once transition away from the joe madden era but hold on to this idea that it's this seven-year competitive window there's two years left how do we accomplish both of those things at the same time and you know david ross fits that bill um, in so many ways. I think you could make the argument that Mark Loretta does as well, being that he was a uh, not only uh, the bench coach, coach this past year and perhaps gleaning quite a bit from Joe Madden and getting to know the players, getting to know the organization, but he also comes from a player development and front office background that seems to be the route that um, uh, modern front offices are taking quite frequently with their new manager hires. And obviously they sought Loretta out uh, to become Joe Madden's uh, bench coach this year. So I think uh, from a purely um, thinking about the easiest and smoothest transition, I think you'd, you'd have to mention Loretta as well. But I agree with you guys that 
it it has felt for many years like it was that this station when it happened was going to be okay so is it going to be david ross or is it going to be someone else and i think that that is going to be the initial conversation that we and uh perhaps the front office as well has i, I was i was taken aback a bit at how um positive david ross responded when he was asked about this job and about his interest in it and his willingness to go after it and of course he did hedge and talk about the family and that's totally fair uh but you really did get the sense that it's like oh he does want this job and so um it'll be interesting to see how that plays out that um that from a timeline perspective uh even if the cubs knew that ross was the guy they wanted um, it's unlikely that he would seriously consider other managerial openings. So perhaps you could hold him in your back pocket, conduct your other interviews as teams exit the postseason, um, largely because of what Mooney said, uh, there are some smart minds out there that you might want to talk about from other organizations and kind of get a sense for how they are funneling, uh, analytic information from the front office to the players and getting those results on the field. Uh, I really hope the Cubs do uh, quite a bit of that plumbing, maybe even some poaching this off season, but it may be the case that they go through this whole process and then still end up with David Ross as the guy. It's also possible, of course, that if they know they want Ross and they want to get an early start on that transition process before getting into the off season, maybe they make that change sooner rather than later. That's not impossible. And so either way, I think it's going to be a um, interesting and fruitful next few weeks on the managerial front, even as the postseason plays out without the Cubs. So I think that's the, uh, the bulk of what we're going to say today on this one. Definitely Joe Madden heavy, as you would expect, uh, heavy in words, heavy in hearts as we uh, close the door a bit uh, here on the Joe Madden era and then think about what the future is going to look like without him here in Chicago. And of course, wishing him the best and what he does next. And I think it'll be interesting to, to follow his, his future um, as one of the best managers in baseball history and certainly one of the best in Cubs history. And I think that nothing that has happened um, will affect that legacy at all. And so even as, Odd as it might be for a few years for him to have uh, Madden's post right there in the Cubs office building, I think that eventually it will just feel completely uh, obvious and normal and understandable and great that he is um, still a part of the Cubs culture. So thank you to Joe Madden. Thank you to you, Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Thank you to you, the listeners, uh, for checking out what we do. We will be back at you on Thursday uh, for a sort of a more... Uh, less managerial focused podcast and more off-season transition uh, podcast. Uh, this is On to Waveland. It is the Athletics Cubs podcast. Make sure you are uh, listening to us every time we get on the mic. Uh, use the Athletic app or for the uh, Monday episodes, you can uh, check us out for free wherever you listen to your podcasts elsewhere. And um, yeah, that's it. Good talk. Good fun. New manager search underway, offseason underway, no playoffs for the Cubs, and yet I don't feel um, like, you know, tearing my heart out. So I guess it was a decent wind down in one way or another, and uh, I look forward to what comes next. So thanks all. Take care. Peace. Peace.